Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. And, of course, also by Policy Pack Software, who I would like to thank for renewing their sponsorship of the podcast this week. And I'm not being melodramatic when I say this, but without the continued sponsorship, I would not be able to do this podcast. It does take at least three hours a week to produce this each week. And my wife would simply not tolerate it if I was going out of pocket for this. So thank you so much, Policy Pack Software, for renewing your sponsorship. And of course, if you enjoy the show each week, you have those sponsors to thank. And now for some news. A ZDNet article this week reported on what was one of the largest ever internet outages caused by a misconfiguration on Sunday by CenturyLink, which involved both firewall and BGP routing. The error spread outward from CenturyLink's network and also impacted other internet service providers, ending up causing connectivity problems for many more companies. It is reported that traffic overall dropped by up to 3.5% during the outage. CenturyLink said that one of its Canadian data centers sent out an incorrect flow spec announcement, which basically deploys firewall rules, and it effectively prevented the company's BGP routes from taking root. It's reported that it took seven hours to resolve. And as stated, it did spread and affected other ISPs and very large organizations, including Reddit, Hulu, Starbucks, Sling, and many more. So pour one out for the poor CenturyLink techs who had to work a seven-hour outage on Sunday. That sucks. And obviously also those other organizations that were affected, I'm sure they had to call their network teams at least as well, even if they had no way to resolve it themselves. So just a bad weekend. Bleepingcomputer.com this week reported that Windows 10 version 21H1, which for those keeping score at home, will be the Windows 10 release in the first half of 2021, is set to feature DNS over HTTPS, or DOE for short, the DOE protocol. DOE allows DNS resolution over encrypted HTTPS connections and it aims to protect your browsing privacy from outsiders. I've covered it on many episodes of the podcast now across numerous stories, including that it was being supported in browsers like Chrome and Firefox, and that it even helped Citrix cloud customers in China get around some cloud.com blocking attempts that caused them disruptions. If you are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, the video version on YouTube shows a screenshot of setting Doe in your adapter DNS settings, and this episode is episode 140. So if you go to 5bytespodcast.com on episode 140 and just click on the YouTube link, you can get to the video edition of this episode. This upcoming release of Windows 10 will also feature GPU support and new command line options for the Windows subsystem for Linux, plus much more. And speaking of the Doe protocol, 
the first instance of malware that points back to a URL being masked through DNS over HTTPS encryption has been seen. This is interesting and based on reaction within the InfoSec community at least, they could see this coming a mile away I guess. While HTTPS over DNS does offer some great defense capabilities for all of us, and like the example I gave for Citrix cloud customers in China who were all of a sudden getting blocked from cloud.com, they were able to get around that with this protocol. So it does have some really great benefits for all of us. But unfortunately, its awesome power of encrypting DNS names can also be leveraged by bad guys to provide further cover for them while doing some really nasty stuff. If you follow the podcast each week, you'd have heard me talk about the F5 network's big IP vulnerability that was getting exploited already. Well, this week, bleepingcomputer.com have reported that Iranian-based hackers have been attempting to leverage exploits to attack those who are still vulnerable and have not mitigated the problem yet. The attacks have not been limited to just the US and Israel, but they appear to be the main focus for the attackers, and they're attacking across various different industries, including healthcare, which is pretty worrying. It's stated that the attacker group have also been trying to sell access to some corporate networks that they've breached to other Iranian hacker groups. So this has the potential to get pretty wild. If you're an F5 customer and you haven't put the mitigation in place, well, not saying it's too late. You've got to put it in place, but also you need to probably do a pretty thorough investigation on your network. Lenovo has issued an advisory warning that Windows 10 version 2004, which is the May 2020 update, can cause blue screens of death in various ThinkPad laptop models. ThinkPad models from 2019 and 2020 with virtualization enabled in the enhanced Windows biometric security setting could encounter crashes and other bugs, it's reported. If you encounter issues with your ThinkPad after upgrading to Windows 10 2004, you could try disabling that setting to resolve the crashes and other bugs. BleepyComputer.com's report does point out too that Microsoft historically with Windows 10, at least in recent years have been blocking Windows 10 upgrades for devices that have been identified as having an issue with the release. So it's possible that they'll put a block to Windows 10 2004 installs or upgrades for those Lenovo ThinkPad models. Two issues have been identified in the Citrix hypervisor, I still hate that name, that may, in certain configurations, allow privileged code in a HVM guest VM to execute code in the control domain, potentially compromising the host. Unfortunately, the vulnerabilities affect all currently supported versions of Citrix Zen server up to and including Citrix hypervisor version 8.2 LTSR. The identifiers for these vulnerabilities are CVE-2020-14364 and CVE-2018-17958. That's interesting. You could tell I'm reading this one live and I haven't really read it before this. But CVE-2018, that's a vulnerability that's been around for some time now. They state that for customers who have not assigned PCI pass-through devices to untrustworthy guests, 
The vulnerability is to reduce to executing code within a deprivileged environment within the control domain. So, still a bit worrying, but not as troubling as it could potentially be. For those Citrix hypervisor and Citrix Zen server customers, hotfixes have been released to address these issues, and Citrix recommends that affected customers install these hotfixes as soon as possible. Once the hotfixes have been applied, the affected guest HVM VMs will need to be restarted or migrated to an updated host to make the remediation effective. And obviously there's different hotfixes depending on the version of Zen Server or Citrix hypervisor that you're running. And I'll share a link to articles that pertain to each version with this episode, which is again, episode 140. And you'll find those links on 5bytespodcast.com right under reference links for episode 140. And unfortunately for those using Cisco Jabber, there's also a pretty serious vulnerability in that product listed as CVE-2020-3495, which can allow authenticated remote attackers to execute arbitrary code on systems running unpatched Jabber for Windows after successful exploitation using maliciously crafted Extensible Messaging and Presence Protocol Messages, or XMPP. Unfortunately, no user interaction is required to exploit this flaw, as they can just leverage an exploit with Jabber for Windows Client just running in the background. One good bit of news with this is, there's no sign that this is currently being exploited in the wild, but there is an example of an exploit put out into the public domain, so that could change pretty quick. If you're running Cisco Jabber for Windows version 12.1, you'll want to get to at least 12.1.3. If you run 12.5, you want to go to 12.5.2. If you run 12.6, you want to get to 12.6.3. If you run 12.7, you want to get to 12.7.2. If you run 12.8, you want to get to 12.8.3. And if you run 12.9, you want to get to 12.9.1. And this is only for the Jabber for Windows version. So if you're Mac OS, you're not affected by this. This week, Microsoft announced a new build of the Windows Server vNext long-term servicing channel release. They expanded the SMB version 3.1.1 protocol in Windows Server vNext with some new security and performance capabilities, including support for AES-256-GCM and 256-CCM cryptographic suites. They've also added SMB Direct over RMDA networks to support encryption too. Azure File Sync tiering support is also now in preview, plus more. And for you Intune Config Man endpoint management fans out there the recent version of mem or intune or you know (laughs) the combined effort of suite of products will include single sign-on to mac os using azure ad that's pretty cool single sign-on app extensions for ios and ipad os pretty cool too And pretty interestingly, there's going to be Config Manager and Intune apps within the company portal now. So including Config Manager apps in the company portal. That's pretty interesting. I'd like to see how that looks and how that works for end users. 
Thanks to Lee Jeffries for this next one. I noticed he shared a Microsoft support article that shows some Office 365 settings that will now roam. The settings include some of the Outlook options dialogs like the general dialog, mail, calendar, groups, people, tasks, search, ease of access, and the advanced dialogs. To, to enable roaming of your Outlook options, you have to go to File, Options, Outlook Options, select General, and then select the box Store My Outlook Settings in the Cloud, and then select OK. There isn't a whole lot of context or information given on the link, but I'm assuming since it just says Dialogues, it's just the fact that you've set these options within those dialogues that's going to roam. It's not going to do any of the optimization or roaming of things like your email signature and other things that you might use something like FSLogic's profile containers to roam. In yet another case of a company switching up their work strategy, Okta have announced they will allow their 2,600 employees to work from home through August 2021, even if their local office reopens in that time. Now, I did see an Okta employee online saying that they've been doing that even before the pandemic, and they've actually even encouraged employees who wanted to move country, say, that if they were willing to continue to work their normal hours and normal time zone for operations, that they would permit that, which is pretty interesting because that would be in contrast to what I was saying last week with Citrix where they were hiring 600 engineers and a lot of them were remote positions, but it was like remote based in certain areas of the United States. And you know, this makes a whole lot of sense for Okta, probably even more so than Citrix because they enable those SaaS-based cloud web applications seamlessly within their Okta portal. So hey, if anyone's looking for a remote job, Okta might be a good option too. Dennis Gudarev, the Senior Program Manager for Remote Desktop Protocol and Windows Virtual Desktop at Microsoft, was interviewed this week by the awesome Doug Brown on his DABCC radio show. I was lucky enough to be at the EUC Masters Retreat where Dennis gave a really great session on WVD. Obviously, he's entrenched in it being a Program Manager for WVD and he knows the RDP protocol very intimately. So it's really worth hearing him talk about that. And I really recommend that you check it out. Microsoft Defender Threat Protection, or ATP, is now available in preview on Android for any Microsoft 365 E5 users who would like to try it out. There were some really interesting updates to the Windows Store client this week including added support for the Azure Resource Manager integrated version of Windows Virtual Desktop, or ARM if you know the abbreviated version better, and also added support for X64 and ARM64, plus Dark Mode, who, who doesn't love Dark Mode, and much more. So check that out. Microsoft's MSIX Labs have been updated. If you're interested in learning about MSIX, this could be a great way to get started. Citrix have notified that an upcoming update to WEM due at the end of 2020 will remove the Microsoft Sync Framework version 2.1 as it's reaching end of life. WEM, or Workspace Environment Management, 
will retire the associated legacy agent cache sync service and switch to using the latest agent cache sync service to keep the agent's cache in sync. Oh my God, don't say that fast. For those with cloud deployments, the WEM agent will not be able to sync cache after the release of the change if the agent version is earlier than 1911. So you'll need to upgrade the agent to 1911 or later. For those on-premises deployments, if you have upgraded the WEM infrastructure services to 1912 or above, you want to be sure to upgrade the WEM agent to version 1912 or later. And to avoid any issues that this change might cause, Citrix are recommending that you upgrade your WEM agents to the latest version. And for you WVD fans, Nerdio have launched a community Slack channel and will be having a launch event on September 6th between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. BST. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. Once again, featuring something from Thorsten, who tweeted that for your MSIX packages and Windows Store apps, you can set a registry setting to allow trusted app installation, which is that side-loaded option. So if you've actually looked at my blog post, Um, When you were making your start or your attempt to try MSIX for yourself, in my blog post, I show how to set up the side loading. Well, Thorsten gives you a registry setting that you can set for this. And he says in the latest Windows 10 versions, side loading is actually enabled by default. Thomas Maurer shared some PowerShell to eject an ISO from a Hyper-V VM. So no need to go messing about with that terrible UI in Hyper-V just to remove an ISO anymore. You don't have to go outside the VM, go into the hypervisor and remove an ISO anymore. Just run a PowerShell. Simples. So I saw something really cool this week that was shared by Jeremy Saunders. So thanks, Jeremy. He created a tool in order to reduce service desk calls and user downtime and the goal is to empower users with the ability to clear their own hung sessions or recover them by terminating rogue processes with a new Citrix self-service session reset tool. This is purely for traditional Citrix virtual apps and desktops or Zen app and Zen desktop, not Citrix cloud right now. And Jeremy has shared this as a free download. To set it up, you will need a server with IIS installed and Studio as well because you need the PowerShell modules, plus a couple of service accounts at the ready too. He says his goals when creating the tool was to create a tool that is easy to use even for users that struggle with technology, to create a tool that enables users to not only get themselves back up and running in the shortest possible time, but also reduce reliance on the service desk. It's also to create a tool that does not rely on any ICA or HDX connectivity to a Citrix platform, also to create a tool that would allow support for multiple CVAD sites, to create a tool that works across trusted domains and one that works across IT and and OT, and a tool that can easily be extended, expanded for other use cases. So thanks so much for your time and effort and sharing this with the community, Jeremy. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And that is called the Citrix Self-Service Session Reset Tool. And finally, I don't think I've mentioned it on this podcast yet, but there's a really great IT podcast called the Thrive IT Podcast. And this week, your host, DJ and Jeff, 
had a really great guest on, Tobias Creedel, who is my fellow Arizona buddy, although I was living in Phoenix at the time and he was living up in Flagstaff. He was on the committee for the CUGC and he was in the Citrix CTP program with me. He's a really cool, nice, interesting dude. And he recently retired, so he's kind of in a reflective mood, I guess. He had such a long, rich career in technology. And on this episode, which is episode 100, or which is episode 20 of the Thrive IT podcast, quite aptly, they went through 20 years in IT and what has changed. And Tobias is the perfect guest for this. And actually, we've got an upcoming episode of the Frontline Chatter podcast where we interviewed Tobias and talked a little bit about his career and things that have changed in the industry and more as well. And what his advice would be for a young whippersnapper like myself who might still be early in an IT career, which I found really enlightening and I've taken to heart. So Tobias is a really great guy to get under the learning tree with. So I really suggest you check out this episode of the Thrive IT podcast too, which again, I'll share a link with that with this episode of the Five Bytes podcast. And just as I wrap up, I would like to thank everyone who signed up for the fantasy football, the NFL league that I set up. The draft is taking place this Friday, September 4th, and the league is completely filled up. If you're into those fantasy sports leagues, the fantasy Premier League that I set up is still available for sign up. But best to get in there now because I think the league is starting in like a week or so, the Premier League. So you want to get a team in as soon as possible. And I'll share a link to sign up for that as well. Or hit me up on Twitter as well if you'd like to join. My Twitter is at Rory And as always, thank you all so much for listening. I'll catch you next week.